Hey, welcome back everyone to the Reflex Blue Show. I'm here with Donovan Beria and I'm with Jada Brito. Jada, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good. And even better now that I'm here talking with you. And, by, and we're still in Washington A here at the Gaylord Opryland Resort for How Design Live 2023. Pretty and, dope. And I mean, we're down to just the final couple hours. Yes, I'm exhausted. What about yourself? I'm doing better than I thought I would. I don't know. I think part of it is this resort has this, I mean, it's far enough away from everything, which in a way is a little bum deal. Right. But on the other hand, someone mentioned last night, did you go to the closing party last night? I went and then I left. <laughs> okay, but you were there. Yeah. It was, they said, this is a bigger attendance than I've seen at the closing party in a while. Yeah. And since, you know, conferences are smaller than they've been. Right. I think it's because everyone's like, there's no go across the street to the club. No. It's, I mean, there's a Bass Pro Shop like a couple blocks from here, but but no one's going to, I mean, they close early. It feels like we're on a cruise ship. Yeah. And <laughs> for some reason, I think, I think the last call is it. Most of the place is 11, but then there's one place here at Sports Bar that's open until midnight. So so everyone's, unless they go to Broadway. If they go to Broadway and it's open until 3, that's different. But everyone else is coming back, and in the morning, uh, it looks in better shape than usual at a conference of this size. Absolutely. I, I was actually shocked, to your point, at the turnout and the commitment from people. Even showing up for the first talks, the first keynotes. It's I, I, And I also feel, I guess... We're all a little deprived, so you're like hungry for the conversation. You're hungry for the sense of camaraderie. You're, it's just a nice sense of community and family. Um, and I feel like I haven't had that in a while. So I think that's also outside of the fact that we're a little outside the city. I feel like that's also kind of like what's pushing people to kind of just stay together and talk and mingle. Like I haven't met not one person yet where I was just like. Ooh, I didn't need to meet you. Like, I keep bumping into to people. We're like, we're still surviving. We, we've made it all these days. <laughs> Some people are, like, dragging, but they're like, we're still here. Because they're like, we haven't been outside. And <laughs> you feel like you're outside because this place is huge and they have the glass ceilings that make it seem like you're outside. But you're not. No. You're not. It's a faux, faux green. Well, it's a greenhouse effect, but it was like, I need some fresh air. It's almost like a biodome. Like, <laughs> like we're living in this new world and who knows what's out there. Yeah. It's it's weird that 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 that's been weird since I've been here. It's the only weird thing I've really dealt with. And then not knowing what part of the compound you're on, right? So I'm like walking around, like they're like, "Have you seen the boat?" I'm like, "What boat? Have you seen the lights? The there, light show? There's there a boat. There's a boat. There's like a little boat that goes." Oh, okay, boat. I did see that. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's like all these things you keep discovering day by day. You're like, because you keep getting lost. I I keep getting lost, and I'm like, oh, there's a whole nother wing. So yeah, it's that that's kind of been like that's been kind of cool. Like they all look the same, but they're not. Yeah, at first you're like, why are these like like the 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 path will split in the, in the in the biodome or wherever we're at, and then they don't actually the paths don't meet up again at the end. No. So no. at first you're like, why do they do this? And now now they talk about it. I think it's because if you're here for a few days, then you're like, oh, we'll just go this way, and then you it's kind of like you 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 discovered it. It's a setup. Yeah. Set up to make you feel like it's okay to stay in the compound. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. None, none of them. None of them go back to the exit. Like no. The casino. No. And and it and even with the the map, when I arrived, it took me like twenty minutes to find my room. Oh jeez. And then I found out that was something common because someone stopped me like, "You just arrived, huh?" And I was like, "How did you know?" And they were like, 
understand you, you need to use this system in order to find what wing you're in. And I was like, what? And then the gentleman was right. I, I, I then found my room and I passed that on to someone else the next day. Someone was just as lost. And she was like, I've been walking around for 15 minutes. So I was like, okay, this is a thing. You know, I always wonder when we, when we, when we're going to like settle the moon or settle Mars, like how's it going to start? And it's going to start just like this. <laughs> Let's wander around. Yeah, they're gonna build. A, they're gonna start with the compound like this. Compound. I, I can't take the recycle there. Okay. Well, Jada, what what are you here speaking about? Um, or you've already spoken. I've already spoken. I was fortunate enough, a lot of anxiety, to speak opening day. I spoke about reigniting hope, and sort of breaking out of the checkbox mentality. So, it was well received. I I was really happy to hear so many say like they feel that way. It's something that they struggle with every day. And I think what's interesting is whether you're just starting out in your career or you're a veteran. How do you describe checkbox mentality? Checkbox mentality. So as a creative, the thing that we we do the most, we have to influence. You have to influence to be a part of the conversation. You have to influence to get people out of their comfort zones. It's exhausting. And sometimes we get into a mode where we're like, I'm tired of arguing or I'm tired of pushing or I'm tired of like being the advocate and you just want things to go smooth. And so you, instead of doing what we're supposed to do by pushing the thought and the vision, you kind of just keep quiet and you just check the boxes. And so to me, more than ever, when we're talking about diversity of thought and all the things happening just in the world and thinking about the power of creativity, I think more than ever, we can't be complacent or fall into that comfort zone of, I'm just going to go through the day, quiet, quit, check myself out because I'm exhausted. And so I kind of just said, you don't have to fight every fight. Choose your battles. But more than ever, it matters. And what I've learned through my journey is find your advocates as a creative community. Let's band together. And sometimes don't go into those conversations alone. A lot of times we're a team. Tap a team member, bring them into the conversation with you because the psychology of it all is if one person nods their head, it can sometimes be a trickle effect. You see that your partner on the other end of the table or in, in a, a Zoom box or what have you, and you you see that camaraderie, you feel a little more confident, you don't feel alone. So I feel anything that we need to do to make sure that we're setting ourselves up for success and breaking out of the complacency is so much needed. Um, I was just talking about the fact that I, I, I play a lot in innovation and over 95% of the, the last products launched failed. Really? Why? Uh, because I because I didn't need another <laughs> iPhone. The iPhone I have is fine. Correct. I don't need a, I don't need a, a, a Microsoft Zoom. I mean, those have been gone a while. Right. It's, it's almost like an evolution versus a revolution. If you're no longer really tapping into a pain point or really elevating the experience, then what's the point? I say it's no different than the safe bet. A lot of companies are going to the safe bet. The movie industry is going to the safe bet. I love Marvel, but if I see another Marvel movie, I'm going to scream. Well, I think the movie industry's always been in the safe bet thing, <laughs> with exceptions. I think we remember the exceptions like 20 years from now, but I think they've been in the safe bet business for a while. For a while, the music industry. It, it, and if you think about it, it's still creativity. You think about the writer strike. They're like, we don't, we don't need the think, the thinking outside the box. We want, we just want 
the AI to kind of help fill the box and just make the same thing over and over again. And I'm just like, no, the excitement of thought or the excitement of the, the narrative is all about your imagination. And I just, I don't understand where, why we're getting so complacent with the excitement of our imaginations and our ability to dream. So for me, the spark is the, the, the creative person in the room because part of our job is to visualize, is to help paint that picture or to sell that person into feeling comfortable. And so how do we do a better job of maybe early on taking our partners or the industry down that path of teaching them why it's okay to sometimes be fearless, right? Because if you stay in fear, you're complacent. If you stay in fear, I feel like you're limiting yourself. I feel like, and how do I say this? I told my, one of my stakeholders, this. I said, fine, you stay in fear. You're really never going to make your numbers. You're never going to accelerate growth because you checked the box and you played it safe, but you really didn't address the problem. If you never address the problem, how are we growing as a business, as a brand? How are we moving forward? If that human doesn't feel like they're being considered. So to me, I'm at a point where I'm exhausted and how I spend my time or the things I invest in, I have to feel like there's something in it for me or I have to feel like I was considered. And to me, when I when we look at like the target group that we design for, no one's talking about the things we deal with every day that is still something that needs to be addressed. And I feel like that is where I, I find creativity now is so much needed in pushing the idea of the differences or the unmet needs of the reality that we face more than I think we did 10 years ago. No one's talking, well, I mean, we're talking a lot about mental health, but when I'm in a briefing session on a brand, are we talking about mental health around some of the things we're creating? How are you building those things into the experience or the mood that you're trying to set, or the needs, the unmet needs of the humans we create for. So that's kind of the spiel I've been on these days. Diversity of thought. Yeah, and it's, I mean, and I know, I think I think businesses, they're like, oh, if we get rid of the creatives, that they're a giant headache. <laughs> I um, am a pain in the ass. Yes. And, then, and then she keeps mentioning that now we have to deal with mental health as well, like, and that, that sounds like work. Or we could just make this thing 10% larger and call it a day. Well, <laughs> I, I know, make it bigger. Um, I, I used to say, like, we just had but a... Yeah, but eventually someone's going to make a bigger one and then you're out of business. Correct. I laugh because we were having this conversation about, oh, I need to design for people with disabilities. And I, I said, everyone has a disability. If you think about it, from the minute that we're born, we're, we're constantly growing. We're, we're developing. We all take different paths. We do things differently. And then as we age, we, we shift. Our body is forever changing and morphing. So technically, from day when you were born with some sort of disability and understanding how the human body works, to me, especially when you're talking about industrial design or creating things that help in an experience or to make your life easier, if you always consider that, then it's not an afterthought, it's always present. So I think if we, again, talk about the realities of what it is being a human being, don't go to Oz and come back and actually think about the real challenges people face every day and just try to just, just one problem, I think it just makes things a lot better.
when do you think is the best time to try to get this conversation in? Like, it can't be like I'm assuming like at the end of the meeting that everybody's at. You just got to yell, you know, stand up and yell. That's probably not effective. But like, what is the best time or effect of a it's of starting to get people to think about this? It's such a great question, and I, it's taken me years to learn this. I used to feel like the soonest, the earliest that you start to have this conversation is the best time. But actually, it's I sometimes say by the fourth or fifth conversation, or I try to take people on a journey to kind of plant the seeds to kind of say, hmm, we've we've now talked about this. Hmm, what about this? I feel like it. There's never the the right time. I think the wrong time sometimes is the first initial conversation. You have to get people comfortable, and so I kind of work first trying to get my stakeholders comfortable. Comfortable meaning there's no wrong idea or comfortable with it's okay if you're not comfortable you have to build the trust and the trust is the comfort and then people become receptive so how do i disarm you sometimes i disarm you by having conversations before the conversation to just make sure i understand what's in it for them and what they need out of this because we all have stakeholders that we manage up to or who are holding us accountable for delivering against the business at the same time I also feel like I need to really understand the business objective. So that maybe what I'm proposing as a creative in a room isn't such a far leap. A lot of it is psychology, but in, in my eyes, it's just making people feel comfortable. I also need to make sure that you look at me beyond the creative in a room and you look at me as a person, because then it's you're having a conversation with Jada, not the head of design or the creative in a room. You've now made me a person that we're having a conversation and you're open to my perspective or or the challenge to the problem. Another thing I think I try to do well, but it takes a lot of practice, is reframing it where you're asking the question and you're putting it back on that person to say, could we push this further? What if you look at it this way? I think those are the things I've learned through time, but I have you have to first understand why they're doing this in the first place. What do they really want to get out of it before you can propose and push? Right, because because not every, as you said, everyone has a disability, and, and whatever your solution is, it isn't relevant to to certain a certain segment of it anyway. Correct. Not everything's worth the fight, right? Yeah. It's. It's really what is what is it that we're really trying to solve and address? And sometimes moving a needle like one dial is enough, then moving it all the way down, I would say, all the way to 10. That's why the conversation and building the trust, it takes time. It's it's a it's a long process, but I found that patience is a virtue, <laughs> being resilient. People have come to expect that I'm going to be the person who pushes the thought anyway. I think most creators are a little fearless. I don't fear ambiguity. Like I, I kind of run into it. I feel like I'm always going to figure it out. That might be a little arrogant, but like you just have the confidence that we'll figure it out. We don't tend to have that fear. And so that's okay that I feel that way, but I can't control what the other person feels. I can only control me. So by me feeling comfortable, hopefully they feel comfortable going down that journey with me. Do you know in, in the entire industry, is there a company or 
product or group that you think has actually done something that would be a good example of what you're of what you're talking about? That's a hard like is one. there a, is there a good case study of your like this is this is in the right direction like this is what we should be doing? It's hard. I, I think now I'll give the example at the conference Pepsi talked about how long it took them to get to the logo. And I believe his name is Carl. As I heard him speak, I felt all the pain. I felt everything. And I had so much respect for him and the team to know that that was a 10-year-plus journey. And patience is a virtue, the constant testing, the, the constant commitment. I would say, and how that was received as a change of, of their identity or a morph of their identity, it was so commendable. But I, I think though that's like a really great example of uh, like the the resilience of a, of a creative team in staying true to what they felt was right in an experience or how they show up and where design fits in that conversation. How we latch on to objects and things or a logo, like, and, and so many people going like, that just felt right. It's, it's not something you can explain. It's just, it's the things we create. But as the creatives in the room, how did you get a whole organization as big as Pepsi to commit to that? And, and move with you. And he said it was all conversation. And probably over a thousand. <laughs> thousands yes. of conversations. Yeah. I would say, even on, on my, and I work at Colgate Palmolive, we did a recyclable tube. And it was groundbreaking. And we got a lot of pushback about plastics. And how do you tell a consumer, it's bigger than our company, because we don't control the MRFs, where it's how things are recycled. We don't control the planograms of how things are displayed. There's so many moving pieces and parts that we're not accountable for as an organization, but we do our best. So what did we do? We created a recyclable tube for toothpaste, and we said, anyone can use this in our category, and we're not going to come after you if you use it. Because there's value in numbers. Numbers move corporations, num numbers move governments, numbers move rules to kind of make something standard. If now everyone is using this structure, now you have to conform because the demand is in the numbers. I was fortunate enough to work on a recyclable toothbrush that was sort of my one of my highlights of my career recently. And something as simple as a toothbrush, something that you use intimately every day people felt a sense of accountability because it was made out of plastic. And how do you say, hey, I still want you to not feel that you're forgoing something, right? right? You don't you want people to use a stick. <laughs> right. And still have the confidence that you're doing something good. And it's interesting because when you say, hey, I'm going to go the sustainability right route and you take something out, people tend to not gravitate towards it. We're, we're creatures of habit, and we just feel like it's inferior. It's like, it's not going to work. How do you take a consumer or a person down a path and say, hey, I'm going to give you this. You might have to pay more for it, which they tend not to want to pay more for. You're still going to get this in the process, but you're still doing good. The route we took was, let's meet people where they are. Let's come up with five options based on what you like. I would say it's like driving a car. 
either you're the person who's who's riding a bike to work, you're the person who is going to invest in a Tesla, or you're the person who's still going to have the Maserati because you like the power. I feel like you still have to give people options and they have to go on that journey themselves and eventually they get comfortable. They might trade the Maserati to the Tesla and maybe one day they'll go as far as the Tesla to a bike. But that's not my job to force their hand. It's just to give them the options and meet them where they are. That's great. We're going to be right back with uh, with Jada. Jada, I need to ask, where do people go to find out more about you and your work? Is there a place you'd rather people follow you? If they can go to my LinkedIn. Just look you up on LinkedIn? Yep. I always ask because everyone's got, there's so many socials, nobody does them all. No, oh, I, well. I've just done LinkedIn because one is, I find it easier. I, I used to tell people TikTok and I was like, oh, TikTok is too crazy. Um, and I said <laughs> Instagram. But I think from a professional standpoint, it's easier to, to I think, rally around LinkedIn. Okay, that's right. And you also, you also, we were talking, you, you, you teach as well. At Georgetown. It, it's pretty cool. Like, I, I started in fall. I started teaching design leadership. And it's been so cool. Hard, but cool. How big's the program there? I want to say there is just under 800 students in the program. Oh, okay. But it's because it's broken down into two paths. There's communication, and then there's design management. So that's why it's sort of split. When you say design management, what's the goal? Like if someone graduates with a degree, I assume it's a bachelor's in design management. No, it's master's. Oh, master's in design management. What do they do with that? So it's interesting. As you get further in... And I know you can do it. I mean, if you're in design, you can do anything. Yeah, yeah. That's what people forget. But I mean, what is what are the common things? I, I would say, it, I think it's this, I call it the second act, right? Because... You start out as a creative and you're kind of doing your, you're designing, you're behind the computer, you're on a program. And then as you start ascending and giving more creative direction, you need to start to understand how, how to also add the business aspect to it. Then you need to also know how to talk to and sell and influence. Then you need to know how to be client facing. So like to me, there's like a jump. You go from doer to manager to leader. They're not all created the same. And it's probably the hardest, I think, pivot from for creatives because you're now getting into the point where you're no longer behind the computer designing. You're not in the details. You're giving guidance. You're starting to direct and you're clearing the path for your team so that they can do the best job possible. And I think it's it's hard. It's It's not an easy transition. It's hard and you're just trying to... And it's not something you could kind of learn either. Like we're teaching them just to understand how to build their toolkit, how to build their teams, how to be forgiving to themselves, right? It's interesting because we're so hard on ourselves as leaders, but you're going to be tasked with solving really complex problems. And how do you manage the expectation that it may take a few years or we might only be able to chisel at this problem this way and we're still we're still addressing a need. We're just not going to fully solve the problem. It's like, how do you present those cases? What I've learned from teaching this course, also being in design management currently, is that's the charge. And as a designer, those are just things you don't learn in school. Like you just learn about typography and understanding your fonts and, and color theory. Again, 
the different programs. But now that you're in the business of design, how do you now start to funnel yourself or like move in the business aspect of what you do? In the business aspect of what I do, I don't start with, I love this typeface. I start with, right. You don't, you don't care. They don't care. I have to show, I have to kind of convince them about the output and the value of the output and how it's going to help the needs or how it's going to drive the business. But I have to bring it back to the business first. If I don't talk about the business, I'm irrelevant in the entire conversation. And I think that's, I think that's the part of design management that a lot of people don't understand. It's not, sometimes it's also painful because people are like, well, I'm going to go talk to the creative in a room. And it's like, just because I don't push pixels anymore doesn't mean you don't still have the creative in a room. The whole point of me being there as your subject matter expert is to bridge the gap in communicating and pushing the thinking by representing the business or the brand, right? So the same way there are different charges for different people based on what part of the end-to-end process they're in, are we all have the same goal to drive the business, just being subject matter experts and translating it for whoever the main stakeholders are. So I think it's, I, I definitely feel like design management is quite underrated, but so needed. And I felt like the reason I even got into this side of, of the creative, of creativity, or I even got, I went down this path was I got tired of being on the agency side, getting shitty briefs. I got tired of hearing all these decisions were made before it even got to us. And oh I, yeah. Yeah. That's the worst. Yeah. You're like, no, he's already decided. Just, just not, just, just mock it up. Just do it. Right. And to be honest, it, it didn't change much once I got in on the client side, but I just felt like, wow, well, at least I can do my best to set that agency up for success to kind of push the thinking and the output. And I got, I started getting really good at it because I, I kind of looked at it as, and I don't know if you're into sports, like baseball. I'm kind of, I'm like, I think of everything like a, a game. And I, I try to tell my team, you keep acting as if you've won the game and we're playing a series. Each year you're charged with, delivering certain objectives for your business. It's the long game. It's playing all these games and then trying to make it to the playoffs <laughs> right. and then trying to win the playoffs just to set yourself up to play it again next year. But if you keep thinking of things as that one game, you've already failed. You, you can come back to fight again another day, but understand you have this duration of time to play the game. Yeah, not you can't make everything a battle. And I, I feel like there's a us them mentality instead of a we're a team. We all want the same things. I think it goes both ways. Both sides need to know that. I agree. I think what's kind of cool for me is I met a lady who's on the marketing side here and she was like, wow, you know what? I never, she, the empathy. I was like, she was like, I, I never thought of it that way. I said, tell me more. She was like, I never thought that I wasn't allowing my creative partner, that I wasn't setting them up for success. Because I thought I was just, what I was doing was making their job easier. And I said, we all kind of do that. I said, I probably do that myself. I, I said, just maybe just ask. Just say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Do you want to be a part of it? It could be that simple. I said, don't beat yourself up because you're thinking about it now and you actually want to be a better partner. To me, if I... 
in a conversation can inspire someone to think a little bit differently. Or I think all of us in conversations just are a little more empathetic to the person on the other side of the said conversation. Sometimes being empathetic gets us further. Sometimes being nice gets us further. No, that's, that's wonderful. We're going to be right back. So what's next for you? What's the new excitement? The next excitement for me. Um, or what do you see happening in five, ten years? Five, ten years? <laughs> I feel like I would love to go to the chief level of design. Meaning, being, and this is, I think, really hard for creatives. Whenever you see a C-suite of an organization. I don't even know if they allow me on the elevator, but yeah, I get you. <laughs> I understand. There, there's not a creative at the table. You have your head of R&D, you have your legal person, but there isn't a, a creative. There, I mean, there's very few companies. I'm assuming Target has one. I'm assuming Apple has one, but that's kind about of... About it. Yeah. And even though everyone's put such a value on design, have you really like put your money where your mouth is if you haven't really invested to the umph level or that degree behind creativity? And that's, that's something I would love to see before I retire. I mean, I think the I think the case studies are there, so I would I would like to see people follow them. It's been quantified, but I I, I just feel like I mean, you can get a master's now in design business, so yes. that's that's got to be an improvement. How long have they been offering that anyway? Probably past five, ten years. Yeah. So I think the hard part is when I went to school. If you said that's what I was getting a degree, and they'd be like, "What are what you is talking that? about?" Yeah. <laughs> I I just think it's you're you're juggling legacy. You have these institutions, like even the one I'm, I'm currently at, that are 200 plus years old. It's such a mind shift and it would take a lot of investment. And I just haven't seen, it's easier for newer companies, obviously, but I, like, I would really commend an older institution who would completely flip their model and truly start from the foundation, the fundamentals, and build that capability and that muscle. Like I would be really impressed. Well, let's let's hope that happens. So, what do you tell what do you tell the young people getting into design now? You just have to stay at it. Just you 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 can't you can't get better if you don't do. And experience can't be taught, right? So, because experience can't be taught, you'll never really know what you're capable of until you just sort of like try your hand and. Don't get frustrated. A lot of times the frustration is us just learning a different way to communicate. And so sometimes just what I've learned is take a step back because if you get too frustrated and flustered, that's all people see and hear. They don't hear the message. You just have to figure out a different way to get the message across. And I've always found I talk, but if I talk with a visual, it's way more impactful because people latch on to that visual. But yeah, that's what I would tell young people now. I'm like, I, I feel that they have so many other tools I wish I had or I could tap into when I was starting out. They're definitely, they're, they have so many more paths that they can take. And I feel like what's so dope is that it could still, whatever route they choose can still be a nice blend of the best version of themselves or who they want to become. 
when I started, even this work from home or 100% remote wasn't even an option, right? Or it was rare. I would see it every now and then, but you'd be like, that's not real. That's not real. Like They're just making that up. Even the balance of the things we can do. Like I, I see people in the park working. You're not confined to this office building. Like to me, that is something that I, I look forward to, or I think this generation is so fortunate to have that they're not confined to a box. Their only limitations, their their lack of dreaming, not because the opportunities don't exist. I like it. So get out there, young ones. So get Jada, there. thank you so much for your time. It's great to see it how. And you said this is like your fourth conference of of, of the very recent <laughs> yeah, in the past few weeks. That's whoa. It's crazy. Do you even have a house or you just live at the conferences, go one from another? <laughs> I feel like the conferences have become my home, but I do have a house and I look forward to getting back to New York City. And I never thought I would say that because New York City is pretty dirty. Okay. Well, there, I'm sure there'll be a conference there too. Actually, I think AIGA, AIGA is, there, is there. Yep. Yeah, I know. I, I don't think I'll be there, but um, but I've I've enjoyed theirs in the past as well. You going to that one? I am going to AIGA. Okay. Are you speaking? No. I'm 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 taking a pass this time. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully we'll catch up in the in the future. But thanks a lot. Pleasure. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Hold on. I want to read. I don't know. I'm stumbling <coughs> words now. It's because we're, we're tired, but go ahead. You can do it again. No, no. This is like, uh, yeah, it's, this is the last day of the conference. I mean, it literally closes in like an hour and a half. Weird. All right. Well, we'll get home eventually. Do you normally go to AIGA or all of them? Or I've gone trying? to AIGA. I think we've, I've gone to like four of them, but I haven't been since everything closed down, I think which means I haven't gone. It feels like, I mean, which seems like a decade, a decade ago, ago, but I know it was not. Are you going to brand new? I've never been to brand new. Is it? I've heard good things. It's great. Armin, Armin. And Brioni. Yeah, they, 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 they know what they're doing. Yeah. I started, when they first started out, I was able to go. It was, I left like hype. I can't explain it. It's just real. Really real. The Reflex Blue Show with Donovan Beery is hosted at 36point.com. Music by Dust Lab. Thank you.